0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm
1: dealing with allergies, but whatever, let's just do this anyway.
0: The important thing is you have a positive attitude. Yeah. Also, join us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I feel great. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Grocery, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
2: Fueled by Diet Dr. Pepper
0: and courage. Nice. Diet Dr. Pepper, the taste of courage, probably. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm drinking one too, but it takes a certain amount of courage. I'm, you know, I'm 30, but I'm going to keep putting this in my body. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> well, speaking
3: of courage. Ah, courage. I can allow this show to go no farther. Well, we've been waiting for someone to do it. Without declaring a state (laughs) of celebratory
1: emergency. Wait a second. I thought we were just going to get straight to the wisdom. We are not. I thought we were just
0: going to finally put the show out of its misery.
1: Yeah. Maybe later. It deserves it.
3: Before, I'm glad you brought up the wisdom, Glenn. Yeah. Because a positive emergency. The wisdom is going places. Oh. The wisdom is going the distance. And oh. not just in a proverbial sense. Is the wisdom going for speed? <laughs> yeah, Yes, it is. <laughs> well done. All Thank right. You. Long-term Dude. super fan. Yes, sir. What you got?
2: I was just... Uh, my, my, my the, the internet is like cutting in and out, but I didn't know if Matt was making a reference to Gloria Estefan's really great song, The Wisdom Is Gonna Get You.
3: The Wisdom oh. Is Going To Get You. That's gonna oh, it's happen. It's gonna get you absolutely so just as something like when you hear like a strange house and your uh, a strange noise in your house late at night you know yeah. and you start to get scared that's just the wisdom don't worry yeah. about it yeah
0: okay i don't think no you don't check out the noises that are in your house nope <laughs> just the wisdom all right but here's now, the key thing
3: yeah long-term super fan um our brother from colorado brother james uh, awesome yes. dude had been a huge blessing Woo. to us Big accomplishment today. Uh, Ran a half marathon. We're very we're proud of him. We're happy for him. But now here's the key thing about his situation. He noted, you know, you'd expect that if someone has a big accomplishment, they would have the celebratory Facebook post, right? that, That just makes sense. So here's the distance. Here's the time. Here's the route. The whole thing. But here's the part. Here's why I bring it up. He said, "You know what really got me through this race? You know what was there the whole way? The wisdom." Of the Say That Podcast. Whoa. Gentlemen, we ran a half marathon. Yeah, we did.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did.
3: This podcast did a half marathon today.
1: We did it, it y'all.
0: That explains why you're wearing that medal. The wisdom (laughs) went the distance. Yeah. Now, I think this should be just the start of bigger things. Oh, yeah. Now, before we launch into this insane rant that I'm sure is coming. Right. I feel the the almost Sisyphean need to be the voice of reason on this show. Okay, and I have Brother James' Facebook post pulled up right here. Um, he gives his first her first half marathon completed two hours and eight point six minutes. Fantastic. He said
1: he could not have done it without. Well,
0: it says in in parentheses, which is very nice of him. Listen to the say that podcast. So uh, we're inferring a whole time. Yeah, we're inferring driven by the majesty of the wisdom. Obviously, yeah. um, there's a lot that's uh, we're reading into here.
4: Matt, to
0: me, are we reading into it,
3: or are we acknowledging what James
1: was clearly trying to say? Look, we're just helping James express how much he could not have possibly finished this half marathon without us.
3: James is a good dude, and clearly he didn't want to embarrass us by gushing in a public forum. But James... Message received, buddy. Well, let me let me tell you what—that's
0: also the message P- Jed takes from people not complimenting him. I know you'd just be embarrassed to say, <laughs> All right? But right.
1: thank All you. Right. You're, you're, thank you. Here's what. Here's what basically what i'm understanding is that we have scientific proof you can listen to this podcast and immediately go out and run a marathon
0: this is this is what i'm saying that's offensive to both runners and scientists yes you have it you don't do that you could. don't just put on the podcast think well i've I've never done for a marathon it It happened matt
1: scientific let me ask you a question could you listen to this podcast and run through a brick wall we don't know
0: We do know the answer's no, don't do that
1: Well, I think someone should try it.
0: No, no one should try it.
1: Where we're trying home? this
2: at home, kids
0: <laughs> with the well, say that podcast, there's nothing
3: you can't do. Lee, what do you got? Yeah,
2: yeah it's an interesting question. What else would be uh, you, you know would like your uh, you know your endurance, your powers your your abilities be increased if you were listening to the Say That podcast while also doing that activity right I mean, there's no. there's no. been somebody- a lot of there have been a lot of accomplishments by people who listen to this podcast.
1: Well, absolutely. I, let's. Uh, here's what I'm proposing. Go to the gym. Yeah. You got your bench press. Right. Get the earbuds going. Yeah. And then what? here's what you Sound do. fun so far. You, you you see how much you can do. Oh, yeah, there You put is. on the podcast, see how much more you could do. Right. I'm going to guess it's another 100 pounds. No.
0: Easily. No. Don't do that. You know all those 45-pound plates they got? Plenty of reps. That's what you do. <laughs> You should take all of them. Nope. I yep. mean,
1: all of
3: everyone Slap you can them find. Yeah. Nope. We want it to the point where that bar is bending
0: as it sits on the
3: machine. Yep. This no, is what we don't want. That.
0: This is what we want. We and don't then, want that. The people at the Planet Fitness don't want that. Your you, local EMTs certainly don't want that. You let that wisdom <laughs> really get I mean, you don't want to jump straight in. To be right. clear, it would be irresponsible
3: yeah. to just push play on the podcast oh. and try and put up eight hundred pounds. Right. That okay, would be a well, bad that's idea. A, that's a voice of sanity. I can get behind that. You gotta wait till Glenn's gonna drop a killer pole. No. Yeah. Oh. he's gonna say something that blows this whole thing wide right. open. And in that moment
1: right. yeah. yeah. It's like no. basically <laughs> like you know, when the 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 mother lifts the car with yeah. the baby. Nope. It's there.
3: just like it's that. Exactly like that.
5: that. It's exactly science. Science. <laughs> I mean, okay. in the sense the that if you thing.
0: let a child listen to this show, it would be dangerous to their development to the point that <laughs> their mother would lift a car off them to get them away from it. Yes.
1: Well, uh, let me tell you what. Right now, uh, re- here's another thought. What happens if you listen to other podcasts? Oh,
3: you're getting weaker. You're getting Duh. weaker.
1: You think that's just like I got? Uh, you know, I've been working too much and I have the flu.
2: No. It's because you listen to that other podcast. Yeah, look, we we already have proof. We already have proof that people that listen to the Say That podcast, they're getting, uh, they're starting romantic relationships. They're winding up in marriages. They're making babies. We already have. uh, That's already scientific. Don't run a marathon
0: holding your baby. I can't stress that enough. That's (laughs) what I'm
2: saying to you. Like you. When you're listening to say That Podcast, you can not only blast your spiritual quads, but blast your actual nope. physical quads at the same time. Whoa. Yeah, That's what yeah. I'm talking about.
0: Blast as in tear? Because that's true.
2: Here's what we want you to do.
3: Whatever you're doing, we just want you to take it to the next level. Yeah. Maybe you enjoy exactly. some light hiking. Yeah. And who doesn't? It's a lovely path. Sure. Enjoy okay. nature. You take it in. You put on this podcast, you let that wisdom get in there, boom, time to summit Everest. No. That's how you we can, do. You can take no, all of Mount
1: Everest in on one Slow trot. <laughs> no, I said no, slow trot. No, I was out. humble with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, it's not like you get a sprint all the way up to Everest. Let's be fair. Okay? Here's, here's what
0: because here's what we don't want. Um, and I've if you grew up in the time what I did, there was a very popular book called Into Thin Air by a guy named john Krakauer that was all about the climbing I, to the Everest. I
1: I read it, and, and is was, it about
0: people who were succeeded at this, Glenn? It
1: it was it was. It was <laughs> it's about
0: people who spent years of their lives. And thousands of dollars training, and it went great for him.
1: It was about people dying, yeah, on the mountain.
0: Here's the fun. Here's one of the fun facts I always stuck with me from that book. Uh, If you die on Everest, they just leave you. Like there's no. And here's what I don't want. They
1: leave you where everyone's climbing right right past. you. Yeah, you gotta climb past. Here's what I don't want.
0: I don't want the next, you know, party moving by, and someone still hears our voice coming off. A fallen (laughs) listener who took this (laughs) as real advice.
1: Well, I, you know, on the other hand, that'd be kind of cool.
0: Pretty good publicity? <laughs> That's right. We're getting, the, we're getting the Tibet times.
1: The wisdom was so powerful, I think it killed him.
2: <laughs> Look, he made, went straight oh, to Jesus. There we go. Yeah, we can do a real right reverse psychology
0: thing there. It's like, yeah. can you handle the wisdom? <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> he was three quarters of the way to heaven already, and he just got raptured right up to heaven.
0: Maybe
3: you enjoy a nice day at the beach. Right. All right. You okay. Know. No,
0: a return to sanity. Uh, yes. A nice, relaxing day at the beach. You're rocking the waves. The perfect try. venue for listening to a nice podcast.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? Nowadays, this is a true thing. You can get waterproof earbuds. Yeah. There you go. So you, can, you, know, you can be swimming. And yep. you can be listening. Yep. And I think you should ask yourself if you're swimming and you're not listening, aren't you leaving wisdom on the table? Yep. All right. Wow. He, now, as as we point out, if you get that low quality wisdom going, it could cause some problems. I know. Totally. It's your performance is going to go down. There's no, no way co- around it. No that.
1: question about it. You, and, and your buoyancy.
3: Absolutely. You get a fresh episode <laughs> of the Say That podcast in those waterproof earbuds. Yeah, Boom. Time to swing the English Channel.
0: No. Definitely yep. easy. Done yeah,
3: that. Easy. Not yep.
1: easy. Nothing to it.
3: Maybe you do that or Key West to Cuba. You could just sure. nail that. You could just make that happen.
1: When you say Key West to Cuba, you mean out and back. Oh, obviously. Yeah.
3: I mean, anyone could swim one way while listening to the Say That podcast. Right.
1: That's that's, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. It's
3: this, the last.
0: This is how we're going to finally start that international incident that's been inevitable <laughs> for some years <reason> now. Yeah. <laughs> Relations with Cuba are not at their least tense currently. I don't think. I don't think we need. You know, we don't need to be entered into evidence in some kind of Hague situation.
1: Well, it, listen. I don't want to be legalistic and say that other podcasts that you listen to that are Christian and are subpar are causing all of your uh, problems with your energy levels. Sure, you don't want to say that. I don't want to say that, but so I definitely don't. am saying it. Well, well there you go. Because that's what's you happening. Have to.
0: No, he didn't have to.
1: You know, we did recently hear from uh, our one of our super fans, Miss Amanda, who was checking out other podcasts. We won't name because we and can't remember what the name of them was. Exactly <laughs> right, because <laughs> I really can't remember. And she was she was uh, telling us it was just kind of sad that it was yeah. just you know there's just not a lot out there, and that's you know. But, you know, while she said it, she was kind of stifling a yawn. Yeah. And kind of like leaning against her furniture. Yeah. And now I know why. Yeah. Well,
3: look, fellas, this is pharmaceutical-grade wisdom. That's what we do on Definitely. the show.
1: Okay? you know, and, Ask your doctor yeah. to say that podcast would be
3: right for you. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> but now, I do, given that we're having an emergency moment here, yes. I, I do have a gripe. I have a criticism. Okay. Um, I've got a concern. Okay. And this is obviously... We're very happy for James. We're very proud of him. It's a big accomplishment. It's an amazing thing. You mean James really? and us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that I'm glad you said that because you're bringing it. Where's our medal? Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously... James, yeah. I assume, has a medal as well he should for completing a you know major athletic event. Right. But given that we're the wisdom that really made this whole thing possible. Yeah. I mean,
2: really. Could really, he have actually done it without us? And...
3: Well, we don't have proof of not that. I yeah. mean, we would need like a series of, you know, studies with controls and whatnot. We don't, you know, we don't have the luxury of that. So I think it's safe to assume that really what got him across the finish line was us. Where's our medal, Glenn?
1: Well, you know, when uh in 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 baseball, when you win the the World Series, when you win the championship, they give out rings to all the players. But they al- they also give out rings to the coaching staff, yeah. to you know the the trainers, everybody. Wisdom in the organization. rings, a big championship wow. wisdom ring. Yes. But, yes, you know, because they have like diamonds and sure. the whole configuration with rubies or whatever the team colors are, yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that'd look pretty, uh, pretty sharp.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I would settle for uh, a donut as a ring. Okay,
0: <laughs> Glenn just wants an excuse to wear man jewelry.
2: Well, yeah, I'm just saying some baked goods wouldn't hurt, James.
1: Yeah, well, I like, that's. You know what? Uh, you don't need if you're running marathons. You shouldn't be eating those donuts. Anyway. No,
2: send them our way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't look,
3: know. John Belushi said they'd been on his training table since he was a kid. <laughs>
1: true. What I'm saying to Jokes you is the wisdom the doesn't 70s. fuel itself. Right. Yeah, I mean that's another good point. You you know because you, you, you had to like uh, when you're running a marathon, you got to carbo load. You I've heard that. I don't know what that means, but I know you got to do it. Sounds hardcore. Uh, but it's the same thing. you got to fuel the wisdom Rapsula. that's powering you through
5: this.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's time to give back, yeah, I James. Mean, you're
1: you're going to have a whole uh, imbalance in your electrolytes and whatnot, dude. <laughs> this has turned into
0: a very weird mob thing where it's like... James opened a very successful store, and we sidled up to him. And we're like, "It's great that we're all in business in this store together." <laughs> and now we're calling—we're calling for the kickback. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duh! Yeah, this is Chicago. Okay, yes, it is very much so, like so how we do. Okay. <laughs>
3: You know what, before the spiral's any further out of control, which we've probably waited too long, um, yeah. James, congratulations. Excellent. Uh, amazing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're proud of you. Uh, we're delighted to have played any role at all, which was basically none. But none.
0: <laughs> we did it! Less than none.
3: <laughs> but we'll gladly, take, we'll gladly take credit we don't deserve. Congratulations. And on also that basis, donuts. <laughs> also donuts, I declare an emergency off.
0: Indeed. Yes, yeah, so I think if here, let me. And I want to get bogged down in it, but I'm just going to throw this out there, and maybe the people can take this on board. Now, you know, if you've ever, it's we're recording this on the the weekend of the Kentucky Derby, and you notice when the you know they're riding the horses, sometimes they have the little crop, and they're hitting the horse. The idea is he hit it in the the back part, so it wants to run away from that pain and go forward. Is it possible that's what James is doing with this show And his earbuds? <laughs> It would just wow. create some kind of
2: that hurts, man.
0: deep, you know, <laughs> evolutionary response to just get further away from whatever this is. Oh, run away from that. Yeah. And good. if that's the case, uh, we can keep doing that and market it. Sure. But for now, we'll keep marketing Bridgebox, which we do not use as a n- bit of negative reinforcement, though. Generally, it's a it's a possibility. But for now, we're continuing to help uh, folks. Uh who give a small amount of money to the ministry support. We do up here in Chicago, what Lee does down there in Tennessee sermons from Glenn and myself, music from a, from Lee Jed and a great number of our friends. We're in the month of may where our topic is, how do I build better relationships? We're looking at that all month and take you out this week with a song from that, from our actually our April edition of bridge box. So it comes out every month, lots of good stuff, MissionUSA.com/bridgebox if you want to check that out. And jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, "Hi, say that. How do I help and encourage my sister who is struggling with depression and anxiety?" Thank you. And Glenn, obviously, I uh, think this is a pretty wide-ranging thing. A lot of folks they don't do even deal with this themselves. So Touches so many people that you almost certainly know someone who deals with that. And for sure, I, I love this basic idea. Of we're not trying to solve anything. We're not trying to diagnose. But how do I encourage someone as they're doing the things they need to?
1: Well, I think the the first thing is is to have be able to adopt a mentality of I'm not going to judge. Amen. It's it's mm-hmm. a tough thing because you when we see people who are clearly um clearly not happy and clearly suffering in some sort of way, you want to come in and make some declarations of of you know, this is wrong, you are wrong, don't do what you're doing, stop it and so on and so forth. But it's all too easy for that to go into uh, a condemning place, uh, a, a place where you're putting someone down. You may start by condemning their actions or behavior or their thoughts and feelings, but then you may end up getting into condemning the person, or or at least they right. might feel that you're doing that. There's no judgments whatsoever. Now, we're going to use discernment because we, we'd be nowhere without it. We we have to say, okay, this is a unhealthy thought. This is a healthy thought. This is a, a productive activity. This is a counterproductive activity, and so forth. So we want discernment on everything. We want to have a clear-eyed look at that, but we're not judging anything. It's a very tough line to walk, I think, for some people, especially when there's a lot of uh, emotions going on. You f- you you want to fix this. You want the person to stop hurting. Uh, so you end up sort of coloring outside these lines, and it's important not to do that. It's important to be disciplined, and not have that sense of judgment. It's important to get in touch with the fact that you have your struggles too, and you want people to be patient with that as well. Uh, Second thing I think we want to look at is get to the root of this and not just be dealing with the fruit of it. Uh, You know, anxiety, uh, depression, those things are going to give you a host of symptoms that are really unpleasant and and doing lots of bad stuff. You could be chasing those things forever and putting out all those fires and still never really get at the root of what's driving that. Uh, I want to know. So a lot of my counseling time with people is they'll tell me what has been going on for the last hour or they'll take an hour to say, this is what's been going on with me. And then I say, well, what's driving that? And then they mentioned something completely separate to all of that. This was, you know, my, I got a call from my mom the other day and just set all this off inside of me or whatever. Well, okay. But we, the, the phone call didn't come up till I asked that question. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think that, uh, we can really look at the surface of things without drilling down because the surface is big and ugly and gnarly, and there 's lots of things going wrong, so it feels like that ought to take our focus. But when we look at the things that are driving, it, it can often be very seemingly small things i mean they're they 're obviously big in in the impact, but they the, it 's just a little phone call or some little thing that reminded me or it was a comment this person made that just stuck in my brain i couldn 't get rid of it, and it just wound me up. So uh, we want to uh, get down and look at the root of where. How did we get where we are? So I don't want to. I don't want to move forward on commenting on any of it until I feel like I'm all the way down to the roots. Uh, last thing I'd say is uh, to recognize we control emotions are hard to control. You you can't really do that. You can't just say feel happy now, stop feeling sad yeah. now. That's you know emotions aren't like that. They don't work that way. It's important to uh, get yourself into a a mindset where you're differentiating between emotions and thoughts, thoughts you control. If someone else is controlling your thoughts, we need a whole other podcast for that. (laughs) That's, you know, uh, the aliens from outer space or something like that. You control your thoughts, and your thoughts Mm -hmm. are what you will use to navigate your way out of this. You change your ways of thinking. You change the habits that you have with your thinking. You change the way that you talk to yourself about these things. And you do all of that based on what God is telling you about you. So that it's more in alignment with that. Uh, but I'm using those thoughts to change those feelings. I can't, I'm not looking to change the feelings if you dig what I'm saying, even though they're bad and I want it to stop. I'm not trying to change the feelings. I'm changing my thoughts, and the feelings will be a byproduct of that.
0: And it's a fantastic place to start. There's a lot of really great bedrock in there. And Jed, I'd love to get to you here because I think um this person uses the term encourage, which I think is exactly the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but it may help us to. Kind of break down what exactly we mean by that, encouragement is something you do in a case like this when someone's already doing something right, yeah, and the good news about that is there's probably pretty good odds they're doing something right, yep, and so how do we focus on that, be positive in the face of a lot of negativity that maybe they're putting on themselves, putting out? What role does encouragement play in that?
3: That's a great question. So it's worth noting, and we're so glad that you wrote in. This is a great question. We're really glad to hear from you. You ask, you know, basically, how do I help my sister? She has the struggle. What do I do? Um, And a big part of the answer is the details really matter on this stuff. Um, The details of kind of what your sister is dealing with. Uh, You you mentioned depression and anxiety. Those are big terms. They encompass a lot of different experiences, and a lot of different conditions. Um, We also, we don't know the nature of your relationship with your sister. Do you guys live together? Are you in the same town? What kind of relationship? Do you have? Um, so, those details actually really matter in what you could do or what you should do. But here are two big principles that are basically always true in both ministering to other people and in helping other people. And I learned these from Glenn. Um, and they are, again, they're pretty much always true. If someone is making progress, if the situation is improving, even if it's slow, even if it's painfully slow, but they're moving in the right direction, your job is to cheer them on. Uh, you, you don't need to try and get in there with wisdom. Uh, you don't, you definitely don't need to try and make it go any faster. Just cheer them on. Um, you would know better than I would how to do that with your sister. Uh, that could be everything from baking brownies and taking them over to a phone call to seeing a movie together. I don't know that that really depends on your relationship, but if she's making progress, if she's improving her situation, if she's doing anything right at all, cheer her on, that's, that's the job. That's the thing. If she's stuck, if either she's not making any form of progress or, God forbid, things are getting worse, then what a, a, a Christian would do in that situation is to lead out by example. Let's unpack that for a second. If you're leading out by example, then that's about saying, what are the things I wish she was doing in her life? How do I model those in my own life? Mm. How do I set an example, a trail that she can follow? So. Amen. As an example, um, I, you know, maybe you say, yeah, I realized, hey, sis, you know, I've realized I'm having some struggles in my life. And it got me to thinking, you know what I should do? I should go see a counselor and talk about these struggles that I'm having in my life. So I right. did. I went and saw a licensed clinical therapist and we talked about my issues. And I feel like it's the start of a long journey, but a good one. And it was very helpful, this thing that I did. That's way more powerful than you might think. The, right. the funny thing is people, the people that know you and care about you, they watch you. They, they see the decisions that you make. They see the moves that you make in your life. If you take a step to better yourself, they will notice that they, they really, really will. If, if you do something that requires courage and vulnerability on your part, and, and it's, you know, something that's a, a hard, but good step, they will notice that you did that. That doesn't mean they're immediately going to follow suit. That's Okay. People kind of come to readiness to make changes in their own time and on their own schedule, but man is having an example to follow a valuable thing. Mm. I can't tell you how much easier it makes it for people when the focus is just on the courage to take the step rather than figuring out what the step would be plus the courage. If you can show through your own life and your own actions what the step would be, so all she has to worry about is finding that courage, you have made her life so much easier. You've made that journey of healing so much easier for her, even if it takes a while for her to decide to do that. One more thing. Um, Depression is one of those terms, and anxiety is one of those terms that we use colloquially a lot nowadays. Um, And again, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, That's actually, those are both clinical terms. um, And so... We want to be really precise what we mean about them. Uh, I want to refer you to one of our other podcasts. Uh, we do a weekly radio show on Rock Radio uh, called The Bridge Loud. Um, episode 231, we had our friend Dr. Sunitha Chandy, uh, who is a clinical psychologist, come on the show and basically break down what depression is and how it works and what the deal is with it. Uh, brilliant, brilliant um, uh, uh, psychologist. Great stuff. It's episode 231. Uh, you can go to thebridgeloud.podbean.com. loud.podbeaten.com episode 231. Uh, Definitely worth a listen uh, and get kind of some good background on what you might be dealing with.
0: Yes, and if you're listening in another podcatcher, be that uh, the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts, there should be a place at the top of this show where you can click on who publishes it. So in this case, it would say Mission USA Productions and the Bridge Loud will be on that uh, producer page as one of our other shows might be an easy way to find that. And Lee, I'm letting you speak up here because I think a lot of what these guys are talking about, which is very smart and it's definitely what we do when we deal with folks who are having issues and are are moving, making any kind of progress as Jen's pointing out is there's a, a starts for a lot of a a loss for us. A lot of times that starts with an acknowledgement of how much can we be involved in the process of them making a change and what is too little and what is too much on that. So how do we go out about finding that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that there's a there's a natural kind of temptation to feel like, okay, somebody that I care about is having a hard time. Therefore, my job is to solve it. And that can be tough. Um, it can be a tough thing to feel like I, I've I've got to swoop in and fix this situation. It's not really the way that you want to think about it, although it is super tempting to feel that way because you care. Um, because you care about this person, you feel like, I want to fix it, I want to solve it, I want to make sure that I want to create happy for them. Uh, that's It's natural. It's not a great tactic. Uh, exactly as these guys are saying, what you want to do is run support. Um, and one of the things that's that's funny about this, and we don't often think about it, is <clears throat> that could involve something as simple as meeting physical needs. Really just making sure that they have what they need physically. Um, that they're that they're eating well, that they are set up for exercise, that they're you know getting to work on time, all those kinds of things. Be able to make yourself available to listen, make yourself available to encourage them. I, I love I love what Jed's saying about being that you know setting up an, an example for them to follow, and all of that. And and I love the, also the idea of coming alongside them and and kind of taking um taking an inventory of things that help. There's a weird thing that happens where when a person is in a kind of, kind of a downturn where they have a, you know, a, wave of, a wave of low feeling or a wave of anxiety or depression, they can't really remember the things that make me feel good, the things that bring me life, the things that help. Uh, but there are those things, that, like actual practical things, that if I take these steps, I will feel more encouraged, I will feel more lively, I will feel more engaged with my life and who I am and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that you can do is help them out by kind of making, I call this, um, I, I don't know, it could have a lot of different terms, but I call it a playbook. Somebody that's, that's in a difficult situation like this, or somebody that has is experiencing clinical depression what are the kinds of things that actionable steps that they can take that in the past have caused them to feel or uh, creative bursts or in, in engagement in their life or with their relationships or they feel encouraged or they feel lively or focused, those types of things, when they're in a wave of, of depression or anxiety, they can't necessarily remember what those things were. And I feel the exact same way. It's like, I, I don't remember what gives me life right now. If I actually... This this is a real, real practical step, but if I have like an actual physical list of some things that I have tried in the past, some tactics and strategies to kind of pull myself out of a dark day, um, to kind of jog myself back into my square, um, that can be a really, really helpful thing. It's almost like a menu, um, kind of a gentle reminder of things that bring me life. And those are the kinds of things that you can help. I mean, I think your main goal is exactly like these guys are saying: is to run support, to set an example, to meet physical needs, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if we could curate a list of the kinds of actionable steps that, when I'm having a hard day, these things help, and they help um, in a timely manner. They they bring me energy, they bring me focus, they bring me life, and almost just kind of a list that they can refer to, because when I'm in that that when i 'm having that hard day, I can't necessarily remember what those things are, and it would be maybe helpful to have a a list of things to look at like i 'm going to try this today i 'm going to try this other thing i 'm going to try this strategy or this tactic, and that's a that's a thing that as you walk with somebody, you can refine that down when i 'm feeling this way, I know that this helps, and this doesn't when i'm when I'm experiencing this kind of experience as as jed's saying, this is a broad term for a lot of different kinds of experiences. What are the things that bring, that, that bring some energy, that bring some life, that bring some focus, that bring, you know, just kind of a buoyancy? And this, is a, this is the kind of thing that, that you can help with as somebody that knows your sister, as somebody that has a relationship with her, an ongoing thing, to walk alongside her by not only meeting needs, not only giving an example, but also helping her curate a kind of list of go-to actionable steps.
0: I think that is all very, very good advice. And we do want to remind you again, and I'll put the link in the episode description. And you can check out the Bridge Loud episode 231 with Dr. Sneetha Chandy for a little more a clinical uh, take on uh, what we're talking about here. And it is one of those things where um, to an extent that you can take this too far, to an extent understanding the problem does help with applying all the good advice these guys gave you about kind of focusing on those things you can do as someone who's outside that situation is offering some help and, uh, having an understanding of what's really going on in someone's mind can really help to not put too much pressure on yourself to fix it, to press too hard, to uh, make them try to feel happier, which can be a real uh, double-edged sword when the inevitable frustration comes out of, hey, you're really bumming me out with all your uh, your depression, so why don't you knock it off and just be cool? So all good stuff. We're going to move on to a somewhat related question, actually. Our second question here comes in anonymously with our email address that says, My wife is in a deep funk. I want her to have time to work things out, but I'm getting frustrated. Should I just keep giving her space to work things out or push her into finding a hobby or a job? Uh, She recently lost her job, but money isn't really an issue, but I wonder if work would be good for her anyway. How do you support someone who is suffering but doesn't have much energy to do anything? And Jed, let me start us off here because I like this um, kind of as a um, example of a lot of the... the principles we were talking about in the yep. previous question, someone who has um a problem. Uh first of all, we can uh definitely commend them in timing this well, because the phrase, I'm starting to get frustrated, is the time to seek options for redress. Yep. I am frustrated is when you're going to have said something that will make this a lot worse. Yeah. But as far as this, um I think it's it's a false binary, mm-hmm. but it's one I totally understand of do nothing or get in there and try to fix it, right? So, what is a much more? What's is there a better way to look at this than those being stuck between those two options?
3: Those are great questions, and so let's actually start there for a second. Um, in a marriage relationship, and we want to be clear, marriage is a singular relationship. There, there's stuff that would be true in that relationship yeah. that that wouldn't be true in other relationships. So, the option of do nothing is not a good option. Uh, there are very rare cases um, in in a healthy marriage where just completely stay out of this other person's thing it, where that would be the right call. Um, I, I suppose you could find one, but it's rare, but fix it. You can't fix it. Um, there's all kinds of problems that your spouse will run right. into that you don't have the power to fix. You can help and you can be a support and you should do those things. But we are kind of stuck in an in-between where doing nothing is usually a very bad call insisting that you're going to fix it is kind of an impossibility. So what do we, what do we do? Well, now, one of the things that we need to look at again, is that marriage is a different kind of relationship. You know, I mean, one of the things about the previous question is, um, in in general, anyway, I doubt that person is sharing a life with their sister. Um, you know, they, they have their own lives. They do their own deal. Maybe they see each other every couple of days. Maybe they see each other, you know, less regularly than that, but they, they've kind of got their own lives and, you know, Hopefully they earn encouragement to each other and then they part ways and they go back to just, you know, their regular life. When you're married to somebody, you guys have a shared life. You're, you're in this thing together. Um, you're, you're trying to figure this thing out. So the first thing that we have to acknowledge, and this is a little bit of a double-edged sword is there's not really such a thing as her problems and my problems. Yeah. There's just our problems. Um, it turns out that's the right way to look at stuff. And you really do want to do that. It's also an unavoidable reality. There's no such thing as her problems and your problems. There's just your collective problems. That's, that's what you're dealing with. And, and so again, on kind of the plus side, that means that should drive a sense of teamwork and creative problem solving. And we're in this thing together and we're pulling on the same end of the rope, which is all really, really good. But the other side of that coin is you can't be a permanent martyr. That will not work. Hello. Hello. You cannot be the person who supplies all the love and attention and affection and support forever. That will not work. There is no possible way for that to happen. Unfortunately, I'm familiar with a lot of marriages where people are trying that. That doesn't work. And you should not attempt it. That's that's not how marriage works. That, that, that won't work. So, um What we may need to do since you're beginning to feel frustrated, which you come by, honestly, that makes sense, is we want to ask, what are we doing, the team, that is you and your wife, what are we doing to take care of you and meet your needs? Um, And is your wife participating in that process? This is super important. Um, One of the things that I think it's easy for all of us to lose sight of is that in a marriage, there are no such things as all bets are off scenarios. Um, there may be very, very rare short-term things like one of us gets the flu where I am going to be in bed for the next 96 hours and right. I can't do anything. Those things happen. That's, you know, and, and no one resents that. and No one should resent that. But eventually, I need you to get out of that bed and help with these chores. That might sound mean-spirited. It's not. That's how a shared life together works. I mean, suppose one of you, uh, God forbid, broke a leg, right? I mean, these kind of things happen. So, yeah, obviously your, your mobility is limited, and it's a thing. We all understand that. But you can fold laundry, though. Right. I can take care of the chores you can't do, but here are chores that you can. So... We need to we need to work together on this and and move this thing forward. Again, I think it's easy for us to have kind of a vision of marriage where it's a pink cloud of togetherness. And um, you know what we want to do <laughs> is if 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 one of us is is feeling blue is feeling low, then the other will just whatever it takes to get you into a place where you're filled with happiness and joy. That's actually not how this stuff works. Um, it's uh, we've got a shared life together. We've got to work to support each other. If you're going through a period where you're in a funk, I want to be sensitive to that. I want to figure out how to support you in the midst of that. I, wanna, I want us to work together to figure out how to help you move in a healthier direction with that. Also, I still have needs and mm. our household still has needs and our life together still has needs. None of that can be ignored and we ignore it at our own peril. If we ignore that stuff, the marriage suffers if the marriage suffers our level of happiness suffers all of a sudden we've gone from being kind of blue and we may not be sh- sure about what exactly to we are really sad because our marriage has begun to suck and we know we know what we are sad about so In a weird way, this is one of those moments where we do want to be as compassionate and supportive as we can possibly be, but we have to recognize it's a collective problem that we have to work on together, and we absolutely cannot approach solving that problem by ignoring the needs of one of the partners in this relationship.
2: Amen. That
0: is a great place to start. And Lee, let's pick it up there, because I think Jed has done a great job outlining why just don't do anything, let this person figure it out on their own, is not really a passable strategy in a marriage. Because there's not an on their own, they are not on their own, yep, therefore we can't do that, but there's the other the other option proffered here is do I push them to do something, and yeah. that has a lot of pitfalls of its own, so what what do we look at on the other side of that limit
2: yeah i I don't love the word push in the question. I understand you know you're you're writing a question in and you know you, you it's like you're you're frustrated and i I get that that all makes perfect sense. The word push is not going to help you, my friend, and, um, and we, we, we need to go ahead and, <laughs> and deal with that because the word push indicates something that is critical to exactly uh, kind of the crux of everything that Jeb was saying there. The word push indicates that I'm on one side and my mate is on the other side, and I'm pushing them towards where they need to go. Um, And and as, as Jed said so beautifully, this is a teamwork from top to bottom. Everybody has needs in the team. Everybody has a role to play in the team. And what we need to do is we need to look at every single problem and ask the question, how do we as a team tackle the problem? I'm not pushing one of the teammates into the place that they need to be. I'm going beside them and saying, how do we solve this problem together? And how do we pull, exactly as Jed said, how do we pull on the same end of the rope? I'm in this with you. What is it that we need to do as a team to get to the place that we want to be in? I'm not pushing you to fix your problems. I'm coming alongside you and saying, what is it? What what is the what is the creative angle on this we haven't solved yet? What is the what is the tactic we haven't tried? What is a strategy that somebody else has employed that that, that we could deal with? We always want to look at in a marriage, and every exactly as that, said, every single other relationship in your, in your life is completely, completely different. And, you know, every relationship requires boundaries and that kind of stuff. But in a marriage, we always want to make everything about the team. What are we doing to deal with this? How are we going to solve this problem? You have needs that I'm going to help meet. I have needs that you're going to help meet. And we are going to do this thing together. We want to strategize this together. I want to walk beside you in this. I'm not pushing you to get to some place we are going somewhere together that feels nitpicky to to just to kind of take a take a word in your question and pick on it i don't want to be nitpicky but i want at the same time i want to deal with the vocabulary because the vocabulary may belies some kind of attitude about the whole process you know if you feel like you're on an island of frustration and she's on an island of uh, of being stuck that's not where we want to be. We want to be in the place where we are a unit together moving forward. And so that's going to come down even to this vocabulary. So maybe that means that we get into a brainstorming session together where we're coming up with stuff that we've never even thought of. Like, let's try this thing. And what if we did that? And what if we did this other thing? And let's just, let's just try stuff. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We fail as a team. And we try stuff as a team. We creatively come up with strategies as a team. I'm not afraid of failing. I'm not afraid of what, what, what do we got to lose? Let's try something we've never even thought of before. And we're going to do this as a unit. That kind of stuff could be fun. It could be engaging. It could be life-giving. That kind of stuff. We're looking for, we're chasing joy and pleasure we're, we're moving away from the discouragement and the frustration, but we're doing that together. I'm not pushing anybody into anything. I'm coming alongside somebody and saying, let's try something together. If we fail, we fail as a team. It's going to be cool. I promise. Even the failure, we're going to learn from and we're going to have a blast doing it because we're doing this together. So I think that even in the vocabulary, we we need to even make our vocabulary and the way that we think about this always about this teamwork process
0: it's a great place to pick that up and glenn where do we close all this out
1: well i think it and i i'm just going to build on everything that these fellows said i think is actually brilliant uh i think we start with a recognition that if if we've reached this level the way you describe this situation um it's time for some professional help yep and um the thing about getting professional help, and and I'm talking about uh, seeing your, your GP uh, and getting just a general checkup and having that doctor perhaps refer you to a psychiatrist who can prescribe meds if necessary. You can do blood tests, look at your your total physical picture to see if that's, uh, that's an element of what's going on here. But the thing that a professional will tell you that, that might be a little different from what we would tell you is uh that you need to do the work that will get you from where you are to where you need to be it, it is work that will cause that to happen it it needs to be the right work obviously and that's that's why you go to a professional to work that out uh but i think um i think it's important as we move forward on that to look at um that work element and take that with an understanding of what are they working against i mean what are they working to overcome what is the impact of of depression as jed said uh depression is a bit of a loaded word and if we're talking about a clinical depression that's different from being in a in a down mood so these are uh, there's a very wide spectrum in here excuse me but we're assuming this is you know towards the more extreme end of that spectrum if it's really running things aground it's important to recognize that depression has that way of sapping the energy out of mm-hmm. people. It just mm-hmm. you feel like the wind is out of the sails, like there's no gas in the tank. I just want to crawl back into bed kind of a mm-hmm. thing. And to say to that person, "We need to work hard on this." That's it's a tough thing to hear when you're in that situation. Uh if you need to find different language for that or whatever, that you know you do what you have to do. Uh, I am with these fellows on uh, the 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 push word The push jumped out at me as well. Um, I don't like putting square pegs in round holes. I think we as Christians we can get into a mentality of you got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to push yourself, man. And you know uh, that's the sound of bad strategy right there. Uh, the good strategy is you do stuff that's smart and you have a release right away. You have freedom right away. You feel better right away. Uh, So uh, I I don't like the idea of uh, thinking of this in terms of challenging what you're comfortable with necessarily. That will be part of the journey, without question, but it's not a curative in and of itself. Uh, Really, what these fellows were talking about is this idea of strategy and creative solutions. I love this this way of looking at it because uh, the, you, you will get work that you need to do if, you, if you're on this process. But we're not going to be giving attention and sympathy based on the happiness level or depression level. We mm-hmm. give attention and sympathy based on the work. So if you do the work, if you try the strategy and the strategy doesn't work, you still get the attention and the sympathy because you did it. You succeeded. You gave right. this a try. It didn't happen to work. We'll just try something else tomorrow. That's okay. I mean, that's, that's, we're, we're learning. We're growing. We're getting closer to the solution by eliminating things that don't work. That's all positive. Uh, if you are giving it your all, we are celebrating it. It's, it it's, you're still in a place of suffering, so it's not like we're going to paint a smiley face on that. Uh, but if you're not doing the work, that's a different thing you're not doing the work. So therefore, now we're in this enabling territory, and enabling hurts everybody. It hurts you, it hurts her, hurts the marriage. And I think once you get into that mentality, once you get that understanding going, uh, you wanna draw that line very clearly, and you have to be prepared within yourself. You're not gonna play that martyr thing, as Joe was talking about. Uh, that's gonna lead to a negative thing all the way around. Doesn't mean being cruel. Doesn't mean that you're being mean. Again, I think we we need to have a hundred percent understanding of what depression does. I think it'd be great if you had your 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 spouse sit down with a, a a counselor, a professional counselor who who goes over that with them. Again, I think a psychiatrist might be good for monitoring some health levels. But it, I think it might be good for you as a spouse to sit down with the same person and say, "Tell me what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. What." What 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 do depressed people go through? What are their thoughts? What you know? Help me understand how to be a good person in this situation. I think that will arm you and help you deal with this so much more uh, effectively, both in the understanding and the holding accountable element of this as well. Um, final thought. Um, all of this, really, for me, I'm filtering through the lens of discipleship. So discipleship is just taking people where they are, helping them get closer to the Lord uh, from, the, from wherever that is. And uh, all, what that entails is getting rid of the obstacles and the things that hold people back and allow them to grow and move forward and be closer to the Lord. Well, um, here's the thing about uh, discipleship. When you're discipling somebody, you notice that there's about 5,000 things wrong with them, <laughs> and they mention all 5,000 of those, uh, you, you know, in, in a steady rotation over and over and over again as you're going through that process of discipleship, and you you really get a strong temptation to comment on all 5,000 of them. Uh. <laughs> If you do that, you're going to break the person and they're not going to listen to you anymore. Uh, what you need to do is pick the one thing that's at the top of the list, the thing that God wants us to focus on right now. And then that's we focus on that and we don't deal with the rest. We're just addressing the thing that's top of that list. The thing that's top of the list is never going to be the thing that you're most frustrated with. And that's the the thing as a spouse. Sometimes you you get so frustrated, you move something up that list. It's not a priority. Now's not the time for this. This isn't what God wants us to focus on. But you're just so frustrated, you end up kind of uh, speaking out of turn with that and and elevating that. Um, Having that discipline to know exactly what we're working on, if she's working on that and you're working on it and everybody, you're going to have progress and that's going to give you uh, something you can cheerlead on that's going to give you a, 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 a sense that this is moving in a positive direction and allow you to be patient with it as well.
0: That's all fantastic stuff. Jed, one more thing on this. Uh,
3: love everything Glenn said. If you're wondering how to figure out what that one thing might be, uh, like what's the thing that's actually at the top list as opposed to the thing you're, you're frustrated about, obviously you want to pray about it. That's mm. a very, very big part of it. But one of the things that we do a lot is to look for what's the through line? Yeah. Of of the top dozen struggles that my spouse has, what's the thing that runs through all of them that ties all of them together? It may not be a terribly obvious thing, but that's a good thing to to pray about, particularly if you're if you're new to the idea of listening to the Lord, is to ask Lord, show me the thing that runs through all of these. What's the one thread that runs through all those needles? You'll find yeah, it. Dude, there yeah. there is one there. Yeah. But that's almost certainly the thing that we want to focus on if you're trying to find that one thing.
0: Excellent stuff. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in to our email inbox and it says when enforcing boundaries, is it important that the person we enforce them against understand why, or is it what matters that we enforce the boundary and however the other person spends it in their heads is on them? And I think it's a great question. We, we talk a lot about boundaries on the show. Uh, a lot of, a lot of what the questions we get are uh, something where someone needs to set a boundary that could be with a roommate or a family member or uh, someone at church. So we really like, I really like when we get these follow-up questions for how that kind of works. Yeah. And i would love to get to start us off here. I love this idea of, because we talk about enforcing the boundary that is important, but understanding how boundaries work will help us set them more effectively. So where do we come down on this idea of is the boundary because I want to limit the impact this person can have in my life, their bad behavior, or am I trying to change their behavior?
5: Hmm.
2: Yeah, you kind of nailed it with the with the way that you asked that question. And I for the for the question asker, man, I get it. I feel like you are experiencing a temptation that I feel all the time, which is I need to set a boundary with you. And God love you, I don't want to hurt your feelings at the same time. <laughs> And there's a people pleaser thing in me that is activated at the time that I'm also trying to set a boundary because I need to take care of myself. It gets so convoluted and sticky. And here's the thing about this is I have this strong desire to really break it down for you and make you explain it so that you get, you know, this is why I've got to set this boundary between you and me. But the deal is, is that if you had the maturity or the behavior or whatever, then I wouldn't have to set the boundary in the first place. So there's a there's a level at which I can't actually explain this to you because you don't get it. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, dude, if you got this, if if it, if I could explain this to you and break it down for you and you would understand it, I wouldn't have to set the boundary in the first place. I have to set the boundary because there's something you don't get. Like it's, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's a, it's that it's the snake that's eating its own tail. I, I can't actually explain this to you because if I could explain it to you, you would be mature enough. You would be mature enough kind of person to not be misbehaving in the ways that you are misbehaving. um All that to say, exactly as Matt started this out, when you have to set a boundary in a relationship between you and another person, that is... Uh, you are stating what you will do and what you will not do. You are not trying or attempting to change that person's behavior. That is outside of your control. You can't change their behavior. What you're saying is, this is what I will do and this is what I will not do any longer, any further. I am telling you what my behavior will be, but um, you don't have to... Uh, break this whole thing down for this person. They're not going to explain it. And by the way, if you were to break this whole thing down for this person, uh, they would go ahead and explain to you how you're misunderstanding them and how you don't need to have the boundary. And then it's a whole nother conversation. I know this from many years of researching this and over explaining myself to people. I, oh, I, I can't come to the party on Saturday night because, you know, we just had uh, we had so many things going on, and you know you, that thing of like I need to make an excuse and I need to justify all of my decisions to everybody so that everybody's pleased. That is a never-ending problem. It's one of those things that's it's. It feels weird the first time you try it, but when you're an adult, you realize you can just say to somebody, "No, I'm not going to that," and that's the end of it. And you don't have to say, I'm not going to that because I had too much homework and, and I couldn't get a ride to the thing or I couldn't find a babysitter for my kids or somebody had a fever or whatever it was. You don't have to say any of that. You can just say as an adult, no, I'm not going to that. And then you don't owe anybody else anything else off of that. We have this kind of natural feeling that I have to perfectly and totally and morally justify every single decision I make. You can actually just not go to something. Uh, you can actually just not be, um, you know, like, you know, we're not going to room together this semester. We're just not going to. And you don't have to explain it outside of that. What you're setting up is, this is what my behavior is going to be. It's a bummer of a thing, because if this person could understand your reasoning, they might not have been, you know, whatever it was, done the jerk face thing in the first place. It's a temptation to explain and justify the whole thing, but we actually don't have to do that. What you're setting up is, this is what my behavior is going to be. I'm not trying to change these patterns in you.
0: I think that's that's, that's a great point. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there, because I think this is, a, as Leah's pointing out, a fundamental understanding we need to have about the goals of boundaries. We talk about, talking about boundaries, talk about having good goals. It's probably a high time we combine those conversations, because... Uh, one of the things that we talk about all the time about setting good goals for ourselves and for other people is uh, does this have a realistic chance of happening? And is this something I can actually have an, an effect on? Uh, winning the lottery is a bad goal because you can't make that happen. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, uh, someone convincing someone to change their behavior may be the winning the lottery of boundaries. Sure. Absolutely. In a, a, a dark and depressing way. So if if how do we play this into? understanding what a boundary is actually supposed to do and can do, and how does that affect the way we use them?
3: It's a great question. Uh, Let's, uh, Lee gave you great info. Just real quick, let's, let's repeat a couple of key pieces there. So a boundary is a decision that you as an individual make about behavior that you are or are not willing to put up with. That's it. And you inform another person of this decision that you've made, not exactly in an attempt, certainly not in an attempt to tell them what to do, and not even exactly in an attempt to make them change their behavior, but more a declaration of, I won't put up with it, and here's how that will manifest itself, should it happen. So, for example, Uncle Ricky, I hate it when you talk about politics at these family gatherings. I know you have your opinions. I appreciate that. I know that they're strongly held. Who's
0: still mad about Taft, Ricky? Yeah, absolutely. That's just crazy.
3: I know you got him. I know you love talking about him. Here's the thing. I, I just don't like it. It's just very unpleasant to me. So. I'm going to leave when you start talking politics. I'm not telling you you can't talk politics. You're a grown person. You can do whatever you want. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave when you start talking politics. Um, so let's let's kind of cut the scene there for a second. That's actually a pretty good boundary setting. There's a clear thing of what I am and I'm not willing to put up with. There's a clear sense of consequence. I'm not telling you what to do. I know you're still going to talk about politics. I'm just letting you know when you inevitably do that. Here's what I'm going to do in response, and I'm, I'm letting you know that now. Now, let's go to what was asked in this question, which is a really great question. Is Suppose Uncle Ricky, and then it goes, well, I just, I, I, I just, I just don't understand. I mean, how, I thought this was America. I thought we had freedom. I thought it was a you know, free exchange of ideas and whatnot. All right, let's cut the scene again. The first question you should ask yourself is, does Uncle Ricky really want an explanation of where you're coming mm-hmm. from? Or is this his way of attacking you for having that boundary to begin with? I know that he expressed it as an inquiry and a request for explanation of your thought process. It's not that. Ricky doesn't like the boundary, and he doesn't want the boundary to be there. And it's of critical importance to recognize no one likes boundaries, and no one likes having boundaries placed on their behavior. Everyone resents that. And to the point that Lee made and made very well, pretty much everybody is going to try and find a way to wriggle out from under any boundaries that you set. Um, one thing that you should know if you're new to setting boundaries is people are guaranteed going to test the boundaries that you mm-hmm. set. Uh, if, yeah. you, if you have that discussion with Uncle Ricky, uh, I will bet you my house note that The next time you see him, the first thing he does is bring up politics.
0: That's a great point, and it should be said in the clearest terms we can, them pressing that boundary has no relation to how clearly, yep. forcefully, dispassionately, right. well, you said it. Yep. You said the boundary, they're going to test it. That doesn't yep. mean you did a bad job setting the boundary. That means... That's what people who are getting boundaries put on them do. That's exactly right. Now, what really matters in that moment, here's
3: part of why he's testing that boundary, is He wants to see, what are you going to do? You talk like you're a big, tough guy. And you get up and leave. Are you really? Because I got opinions about Taft, and I'm about to start discussing them. <laughs> Teapot dome, y'all. <laughs> and in that moment, and this is really key, this is really critical, get up and leave. If you said that's what you were going to do, if you said you start talking politics, I leave, get up and leave. Because if you don't, that undermines the whole process. That that's, is a problem. That's right.
2: that's right.
3: But now here's the key thing is there's stuff that Uncle Ricky needs to understand and there's stuff he actually doesn't need to understand. He needs to understand the dynamic of Taft comes up, I leave. Right. Politics come up, I'm in my car and I'm out the door. He does need to understand that. And you explained that part of it. He does need to understand that. The whys and the wherefores and the nature of the Murdoch media empire and the negative repercussions it's had on democracy in the Western world, he actually doesn't need to understand any of that. None of that is important to him following and abiding by the boundary that you said. None of that's important. None of that actually matters. I would add one quick closing thing, and that is to say, in your closer, more intimate relationships, uh, and actually this definitely relates to marriage, you will have people who want you to explain a boundary because they actually do want to know where you're coming from and they want to do better. And that's great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, though That's going to be pretty rare. Um, again, that's almost always going to be the closest relationships in your life. That's almost always going to be people who are, recognize they've kind of been screwing up and they're repentant and they want to do different. And they would deeply like to understand what's going on better and where you're coming from so that they can avoid being offensive to you in the future. But that's generally going to be those closer relationships. It's going to be a much more rare thing the vast majority of the time when people demand an explanation of why, A, as Lee said, you don't owe them that, like at all, um, and and B, um, it wouldn't help the situation. That's right. not a legitimate request. That's not an authentic desire to understand your point of view. That's just pushback on the boundary.
0: Absolutely right, and Glenn, I think that's an important, very important point, and a good one to land on. Is a part of the point of setting a boundary is to not let yourself be manipulated. It's to not get drugged into some of these these conversations and these these spirals and these rabbit holes. Yeah, as Jed is saying, Uncle Ricky brings up uh, politics at the thing, and I don't argue with his points about Taft's graduated tax plan because that's, that's what he wants is drama. And I just leave and that's how a boundary works. I think part of what we can get dragged down on is this idea of, but isn't it on me to perfectly, precisely explain everything about this situation so if right. the other person knows that,
1: yeah. and
0: as Jed points out, that kind of just gives almost an infinite number of openings to uh, lose ground on this, right? That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah. And uh, by the way, I also don't want to hear your thoughts on the new Taft musical with a lot of rapping that you've put together either.
0: Yep. Rap and Taft. But Big Pun's going to make a comeback, so that's fun for everybody,
1: <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, here's what I'm saying: people not from the U.S. are just completely lost on all of that. But no, uh, the musical happens; they played right. in the U.K., but he's the bad guy. Oh, right. Well, here, here's what I'm saying: is um, first and foremost, to the extent that you can control your end of this, you should. Uh, that's what these fellows are saying. You know. Uh, don't put a lot of feelings type statements in there. If somebody, if you're drawing a boundary, they've they're not in a trust relationship with you. You shouldn't be expressing uh, feelings to them based on that. Uh, you know Romans twelve eighteen says if it is possible on your part, uh, live at peace with everyone. You know, the other translations say as, as much as it depends on you. And there's a lot, as these folks are saying, that does depend on you to, to do this well and to, to craft it properly. Uh, if I have to confront somebody, I spend a lot of time thinking about exactly how I want to say that so that it uh, is not about judgment. It's not about feelings. It's just simply saying, this is something I'm not going to put up with. Here's where the line is. You make the decision. I'm just telling you uh, what's going to happen with me here. Uh, so I, I think. It, You know, there's a lot that does depend on you, and you want to get all of that right. But if you've got that right, and and no one's ever 100% right about those things, but if you're, you know, 90-plus percent uh, right uh, in your approach on that, then this person's response is up to them. And let us then move into what uh, Matt was introducing here, which is this idea of the mind of the manipulator. Okay, here's how manipulators think. I want to get away with it. That's mm. how they think. I want to get away with it. If you let me get away with it, we can be close. If you're not letting me get away with it, you're dead to me. <laughs> well put. <laughs> so, And th- there's a reason why that is. It is because I, manipulators don't think they can do better, and they don't uh, believe that they will do better.
3: Getting away with it's all I've got.
1: Getting away with it's all I've got. And I don't think I can get love. So what I can get is attention. Even if it's yelling, that's attention. So I if you if you're drawing a boundary, I'm not getting away with it, and I'm also not getting any attention. The way that these fellows have drawn that up. That's they're they're saying, No, I'm not going to pay attention to your thoughts on Taft. I'm not going to sit here and just let you get away with it, so it's just not going to happen. So a manipulator wants to manipulate. Here's how they, generally speaking, do that. uh n- Number one, they do it by intentionally being confused about anything you say. What do you mean by that, going Exactly right. That's that's a manipulator's <laughs> favorite phrase. What do you mean by that? I mean exactly what I said, dude. You heard it. I didn't stutter at any point in there. I use clear, non-ambiguous language. You know exactly what I'm talking about. End of conversation. I just don't understand. Yeah. Well you Live with your, just, your lack of understanding. <laughs> but that's that's a game because when someone says, what do you mean by that? Now what am I doing? I'm explaining my feelings and my thoughts and my judgments and all of that, which is exactly what these fellows told me not to do. So I'm going to get drawn into that conversation. It's not a conversation. It's not a back it's and drama. forth. It's drama. You know, this is, you're trying to put your drama on me. I'm saying, no, that's it. It's not a conversation. It's not a back and forth. It's not a negotiation between two people. I am drawing a line and telling you what I will and won't put up with. So you can make an informed decision about what you want this relationship to look like. That's, that part's on you. Uh, But regardless, you're not going to get away with it. That's the part they don't like. That's the part that's, that's, that's the conflict. If if they don't look you dead in the eye and say, "Well, I just want to get away with it," they're they're fibbed with you because that's that's what they want. I want to hold court on Taft and have you listen. That's right. That's you know, and and you can almost respect that and appreciate it and and get to a healthy place if they said that out loud. You'd know, be like, "Okay, I, I see." I, yeah, we all want things. I'm not going to
4: do that, but yeah I, get
1: it. yeah, I get it. You know, that you know that would be infinitely more healthy. But the, so the, that's one thing that uh, manipulators do is they they do that. You know, what do you mean by that? They 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 intentionally present themselves as confused on things that are blindingly obvious. But the other thing that they do is to get us into uh, a conversation where we're exasperated and exhausted and overloaded, overwhelmed. If you get me into a three-hour argument, I'll eventually get to a place where I say, "Sure, whatever." And that's how they get away with it. Now, they've also gotten a ton of attention. So those are the two things they want. Win-win. That's a win-win for them. So the shorter this conversation, the better for for me. The longer the conversation, the worse it is for uh, for me. Certainly, but also for this other person. If if you, this is what I'm really boiling this down to. If you seek attention. Mm. rather than love, it's because mm. you think attention's all you're ever going to get because you're acting like a funky person all the dang time. And you say, I'm, I'm going to try and get attention because I'll never get the love. The thing is, if I give you the attention, we never get to the love. You mm. think it's just, you see what I'm saying? In other words, you're asking me for a horrible substitute for love. That, that would be attention. let understand stand. Attention's a good thing, it's and it's a lovely thing to give to people that you care about. But I'm saying, if you're saying, all I can get is attention, and then I give you only that, and I act really frustrated and angry, it looks like, you're right, I don't love you, I'm just willing to give you attention for funky behavior. So we have to find a way to break that cycle in order to get ahead. I
0: think that's absolutely right. I think all the stuff these guys told you is, is fantastic. I, w- I would like to h- hang a light on one particular aspect of this that we... We've touched on, and one is, uh, it is that we have to be clear in our mind. I think if we want to effectively set boundaries that boundaries are not up for debate, yeah. To, right. As Glenn mentioned, that and practically, here's what that looks like if you so if someone you say, I don't like when you talk about politics, you don't have to, you're under no obligation to, and it is counterproductive to try to make an argument for why you don't want this person to talk about this thing, right? Because now you're getting involved in an argument where someone can be right. Yeah. Boundaries are not about right and wrong. They're about what you will put up with and what you won't. And as these guys, as Glenn is pointing out there, um, any attempt to make it clear to this person, but this is why, and this it's like this. And now we're not setting a boundary. We're explaining ourselves. We're having an argument. We're having a discussion and all those things can be fine in certain contexts, but they are not setting boundaries. That's a separate thing. To the point where you got to set a boundary, you know, if it's, you know, the, my roommate never washes the dishes and I've had it up to here and we're just, we, this is a boundary. That can't be, I have some down and say, as food bacteria builds up. Right. <laughs> that always, that that explanation, if it's, you know, I don't like when you say this or I don't like when you do this, that always contains a point where There is a gap where the other person has to finish the sentence. You say, it makes me feel bad when you say this. It is contingent for you to have that argument for them to say, oh, well, I don't want to do things that make you feel bad. Therefore, I will not do that. That's how a discussion leads to change behavior. It has to have buy-in from the other person, which you can't make them do. Boundaries are about saying, when you do that, it makes me feel bad. Therefore, I leave. You don't have to take any actions on this. And again, we're not saying that it's not good to have discussions, arguments, uh, this kind of stuff we're talking about here, but that's not what a boundary is for. So there's different relationships, different tools in the toolbox to manage relationships. And if we're setting a boundary, that's not about making it. A boundary is not about making the other person see your side of things. A boundary is most often, unfortunately, for a case where, we're kind of sure we kind of think that's not going to happen and we need to alter the situation anyway. That's when boundaries come in. They're very useful for it. And if you stick to your guns, you will be happy with the outcome. We are sure of that. Okay. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, at gmail.com or the or you can scroll down into the episode descriptions where you will find those links or tell you the song this week. This is from the April edition of bridge box by the ever reclusive, mysterious pool house yeah. guru which Ooh. he calls plant water. So yeah, we'll say that. Thanks for listening. this. Is from we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: The Say That podcast granting superpowers to our listeners on a par with bites from radioactive insects.
5: <laughs> <laughs> one plants, one waters. God makes it grow.
4: Some water, but at one purpose, we'll be rewarded. We just co-workers, for him y'all hear it the house that makes a temple for his spirit. There was a farmer, he scattered seed, filled up his fields and he fell asleep. Sprouting and growing on green from the ground, the farmer can see it but he don't know how. That's the thing God's kingdom's like. The ground produced great though we through the night. Then comes the day when we bring it on in. It's time for the harvest, the party begins.
5: One plant, one
4: rough we all get tired but don't give up i tell you why you reap a harvest from doing good when the time is right it blow your mind what god will do there was a for barely see, so tiny nobody expect anything, it go in the ground and it get covered up and then it start growing, yeah it blowing up, it shoots it with branches, great the birds of the air, they may nest in its shade, God give the increase, he make it grow for all of us servants, there's peace when we know
5: one cleanse
4: Blow your mind what God yeah will do, huh? Uh. When, right, yeah. when the time is right and blow your mind what yeah God will do When uh. the time is right and blow your mind what
5: yeah will do, huh?